The title of the message is Magnifying Christ Together, and that's Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3. And I read from the New American Standard Bible. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let's pray. So, Father, I just want to pray to you right now from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, that the one who speaks would speak as though the oracles of God, and that we'd serve with the strength that you supply, so that in all things, even this sermon today, as I preach and we listen, that you would be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 34 is such an absolute blessing. And I know you're familiar with this psalm, but it it really is. This is the psalm, the superscription tells us David wrote this right after he acted like he was crazy. You remember that? He he pretended like he was out of his mind to get away from uh, the the one king. And it's so interesting because it could be classified as a wisdom psalm. So someone who acted like he was insane then writes a wisdom, a psalm of wisdom. And the reason I say it's a wisdom psalm is wisdom psalms talk about the righteous and the wicked. And so if you'll look in verse 19... It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. So there you have the righteous. And then in verse 21, evil shall slay the wicked. See? So you got the righteous and you got the wicked. And those who hate the righteous, there it is again, will be condemned. Verse uh, 21. And so it's saying, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom. And to choose wisdom means to choose uh, the fear of the Lord. And so, verse 11, come you children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And then verses 12 through 16, that's what Peter quotes from in 1 Peter chapter 3, after he addresses husbands, telling husbands that they should treat their wives with honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers won't be hindered. And then he quotes from these verses in Psalm 34, of what that God-fearing person is like. And verse 15 is why I say to be a God-fearing person, I've said this for the past couple of weeks, <clears throat> to be a God-fearing person means you care more about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. It does not mean that you are afraid of God. You're not afraid that God might strike you. You're not afraid that God would be angry with you. Listen, all of God's anger was poured out on the cross. God is not angry with you, Christian. And He's not going to get angry with you. Now, you can grieve the Holy Spirit, and that we don't want to do. But to be a God-fearing person means you care more about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. You live before His eyes. So verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. You see? This is how we then live as though um, I'm living before God's eyes, not man's eyes. I'm, I'm a God-fearing man, not a man-fearing man, if that makes sense. So this blessed and wonderful psalm 
is the same psalm that says, verse 5, they looked to him and were radiant. I was just in Luke 11 this morning when Jesus says, don't light a lamp and put it under a bushel. They looked to him and they were radiant. Moses looked to God and Moses' face shone. You think Moses knew it? I, I think they had to tell Moses, hey, there's something weird going on with your face. Cover it up. It's scaring us. And this is what so many of you are You look to God. And you radiate. You radiate His love and His compassion and His wisdom. And in my opinion, too many of you, you don't even know it. It's like you don't see it. And yet, when we look to Jesus... The glory of God shown in the face of His Son. That now, if your eye is good, that's the light that you now have on the inside. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. God is good. Not only does He want to take us out of darkness, but He gets the darkness out of us. Not only does He want us to walk in the light, but He puts His light in us. And I don't know about you, but I want to be filled with brilliant light. I want to shine forth the glory of this God who's so glorious and wonderful. I want to magnify Him. Verse 8 is far more than a cognitive intellectual knowledge. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good is experiential knowledge. This is you have taste, you taste and see. Find out for yourself. Know how awesome God is. Don't just know by brain power, but really, really know, because this is new covenant, as they will know me. And they don't have to go around, know the Lord, know the Lord, because each person will know God, because at Revelation, the law will be written on the heart. And now we even see how this psalm even anticipates that, to magnify God. And I don't want to say this part, but I'm going to go ahead and say this part. Uh, many of you, about three years ago, sent me texts, and you didn't even know it. And you sent me verse 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And some of you, Sister Sandy, sent it to me. Several sent it to me. So I knew God really wanted me to pay attention to that verse, that He was near us even though we were brokenhearted and still are. I'm literally looking at this psalm and I get a, a text from Sister Sandy and it's verse 18. Now, you've heard Bruce say before that he doesn't believe in coincidence. So, neither do I. How many verses are there in the Bible? Okay, thank you, because I don't know the number either. But what's the likelihood of the very moment I'm looking at this, the text coming in with that verse? God is amazing. So magnify the Lord with me. And to magnify, I uh, steal this from John Piper. To magnify God is not where you take something that's little and you make it appear 
larger than it is. You guys remember, did your grandparents ever have one of these? <laughs> Where something's really little, but you make it look much larger than it is, like a microscopic magnification. That's not what we're doing when we magnify God. Okay? When we magnify God, I didn't have a telescope. All I had were these um, opera glasses. But when you magnify God, it's a telescopic magnification. It's where there is something that seems distant, but you're pulling it in close, and you're actually bringing it to its larger reality. Like, if you look through these, something way out there might look like it's only three foot high, but then you look through this, and now it looks like it's six foot tall. It's closer to the very thing that it is. When you look at Jupiter in a telescope, it looks, or with, with your blank eye, your naked eye, it looks like a little spot. But when you look at it through a telescope, now it looks like a big sphere. You're bringing it closer to what it truly is. Magnify the Lord with me. And don't miss the O. The O means it's from your heart. The O is like A.W. Tozer said, the most important word in the whole Bible is O. It's like when Ephesians 5 says you make music and melody with your heart to the Lord. This is something that has radiated on the inside of you just how big and magnificent God really is. And do you guys remember Hogan's hero, by the way? The guy who had the ocular? Okay. Anyhow. <laughs> magnify. Let's magnify God together. Why does First Community Church exist? I believe First Community Church exists to exalt the name of Jesus in our community above all other names. Not to exalt the name of this church, not to exalt the name of the pastor. First Community Church exists for the same reason you and I exist. That is to exalt the name of God. So is your Bible still open? Verse 3 is what's known as synonymous parallelism. Both of these lines are parallel thoughts. So the first line of verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. That's Yahweh. That's why it's capital L-O-R-D. God's name. Yahweh. You're not magnifying Baal. You're not magnifying Molech. You're not magnifying, you're magnifying Yahweh. So, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And now look at the parallel thought. Next line. Let us, see, exalt, like magnify, his name together. So I got with me and I got together. And this is why we come together on Sundays. You could have stayed home. And you could have magnified God at home. But the Bible says, let's magnify the Lord together. Magnify Him with me. That means I need to be magnifying Him too. I don't need to just wait on you to magnify. We're all in this together to magnify Him. Now, I don't know if we realize just the privilege and authority and power God has given us to magnify things. We don't even realize it. And so often what we do is we magnify the wrong things. We magnify our problems. 
Like when the uh, spies went in, the 12 spies go in, and the 10 come back, oh, oh, we were like grasshoppers! They were magnifying the giants. Only Joshua and Caleb came back magnifying God. When Moses said to his father-in-law, come with us, come with us, Moses wasn't magnifying the sagebrush and the the arid places and the rocks and all that. Uh, Moses says in Numbers 10, verse 29, For the Lord has promised good to us. Come with us. You can show us around. But God's promised good. He's magnifying God. You know how we magnify things? We magnify the the things that we give our time to. We magnify what we're willing to give our money to. Our time and our money. And for today, I'll give you this third one. I think it's the biggest, even more than time and money. Speech. What do we talk about? Because what we talk about That's what we're magnifying. This this verse, oh, magnify Yahweh with me. Let's exalt His name together. Let's magnify. See, what we talk most about. If we spend most of our time murmuring, grumbling, and complaining, what are we magnifying? We have been created by God. To magnify Him. And in Christ we've been recreated. It's a new birth. To magnify and exalt the name of Jesus. Now what's going on? How come you're going, leaving? They can say, I'm just about done. Don't, preachers are always just about done. Okay. Well, I promise we'll be done here in a second. In a second and preacher. <laughs> anyway. Let me just touch on them. I won't preach a sermon on every one. Rather than magnifying our problems or magnifying our responsibilities, you ever notice that? We magnify our responsibilities. We can magnify the devil. When you talk too much about him, then the Lord, the car won't start. Oh, that devil! Quit magnifying the devil! He'll get airtime any way he can get it. We magnify our disadvantages. Well, I'm redheaded and I'm left-handed and I'm a stepchild. We magnify our feelings. And I'm sorry to say it, but if this is going to be a real sermon for real people, around Thanksgiving and Christmas time, we start magnifying other people's faults. We magnify faults in family members. Oh, we got to go to Margaret's. <laughs> Martha was magnifying her responsibilities. You remember that? Mary chose the one thing. And see, you got to mention the Martha and Mary story at least three times a year. I mean, come on. You just do. That story is so powerful and so important. Now, I promised my wife I'd wrap it up. So I am wrapping it up now. Ah, verse 20. Is your Bible still open? 
When it comes to the righteous, verse 20 says, He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. The Apostle John magnified that verse when Jesus was on the cross. In John chapter 19, verse 36, you remember, uh, they wanted to speed up the death. And crucifixion was designed to prolong the torment. The worst torment a person could feel and experience, and on top of that worst torment was it was designed to drag out the torment as long as possible. And it was a high feast day and the Sabbath, and they're wanting to wrap it up. And so the soldiers go and they break the legs so when the legs are broken, now the person can no longer use their legs to push up and pull up to get another breath. And they'll just suffocate and they'll die. And they came to Jesus and he had already given up his life. He'd already given up his spirit. And, and John says that this was to fulfill. I mean, this is astounding that God would magnify the truth of His Word in a way like that. That it was to fulfill Psalm 34, verse 20, which almost appears to be a verse just kind of tucked in the middle of this psalm. Were it not that we're on this side of the cross reading this. So John magnifies that Jesus fulfilled Scripture, but... What was God the Father magnifying? You remember I said at the beginning, this is a wisdom psalm, and it shows the difference between the righteous and the wicked? The Bible says, Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. And just in case there would be any doubt that anyone would think that God's beloved Son was wicked. And that's why He hung on that cross. It was not for His own wickedness that He hung there, was it? Whose wickedness was it for? It was for ours. That God, even in that moment, vindicates the righteousness of His Son in that His own bones are not broken on that cross. God the Father was magnifying the righteousness of His Son. And beloved, that's why you exist. That's why we come together. That's why First Community Church exists. That we could proclaim the glorious excellencies of God. That we would live and exist for the supremacy of God in all things. Magnify the Lord with me. So this season, we have the opportunity to magnify a lot of different things. But just as that wreath is going to burn brighter and brighter and brighter until that day, how about if we look to Him and become more and more and more radiant? Amen? Okay. So if you want to transfer from that place of wickedness to righteousness, it's not by you performing a bunch of good deeds. And it's not by you making up for a bunch of past mistakes and making amends. It's by you asking Jesus Christ 
to forgive you of your sins and to give you eternal life. Thank you guys for your attention. Would you all pray with me? So, Father in heaven, we praise you in your holy name. And we thank you for this time that we could come together to magnify you. And I just hope that the things that I have said have been enough to stir in each and every one of us. God, you know it's our desire to magnify you. And so please forgive us for the times that we magnify all of these other things. And we ask, God, that this Christmas we would speak life with our tongues and that we would enjoy the fruit thereof. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grandma used to pray out loud by 